Hi everyone, and welcome to the 105th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host Brandon, and I'm here with Chiro! Hey guys, what's up? He, he's here! I'm here, don't worry. Uh, yes, and he was on the show last time, but then there was technical problems, but this time there's not going to be technical Ooh, problems. Brandon! Uh, I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen, so hopefully you guys hear Churro right now, because if not, that would be a problem. It, it, it's, it's already it's a problem. People are already saying they miss me on the show already, so <laughs> we, 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 we got to give them what they want. Exactly. So, especially for this episode, because it's the Tokyo Game Show uh, episode, so we, we got to have Churro on the show for that. And uh, yeah, so anyway... For you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, YouTube.com slash KHUnionVids, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. Alrighty, so we have a three-segment show today. First and foremost, we have news, obviously, because we just had Tokyo Game Show. So first segment is news. Second segment is discussion. And this episode, we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts on PS4 Pro and what we what we want about it and if we think it's worth it for Kingdom Hearts fans to upgrade to PS4 Pro. And finally, we're going to end off the show with some questions. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show and you want to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero, Christian Thompson, who is at Orbits Gaming, uh, we have Christian Burge, Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9 on Twitter, Louis James, Satria Jarta Sudharma, who is at Satria625 Rubin, we have Skylar Loveless, uh, Tiger Crane, who is at Poo Milkshake, we have William Trengrove, who is at Varnish the Azure, Chris Morales, Eric Decker, Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZT Okami, uh, Kina Johnston, who is at Axken, uh, Michael Graham, uh, Thorin Bullen, who is at Massacre23, and uh, Churro, if you can take these next few. All right, we got Zach Toronto at ZDoronto58, Alex Troutman at Akira Namjian, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Genesis Alejandro at Junison7, Jason Rivera at Neo Arcadiac. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Chris Russell at The Ninja Max, Manny Franks at Like underscore Peyton, Mike Shernley, Donnelly at Curious Quail, Muhammad, Muhammad Quaim, Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack 95, Rachel Casterton at Obera Yoon Ray, Vanitas at V underscore Tron 5000 and Zelda clone at apes types, apes type novels. I still love that name. Yeah, it's a great name. And as always, be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. If you have any burning questions that you have to ask us that you want to know about uh, the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, or if you just have any general topics that you want us to discuss on the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Send us one, send us 20. Please, please, please. It's always helpful. So anyway, moving on to the news segment, our special Tokyo Game Show coverage news segment. Hope you guys are ready. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, boy. 
There's a lot of this. Yeah, that's for sure. So Tokyo Game Show new coverage. First bit of news that is uh, definitely of importance. Unfortunately, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 has been delayed to 2017. Uh, in Nomura's words, due to the adjustment of nearby titles or the adjustment of uh, a- adjacent titles. I wonder what that means. I wonder which game I it wonder is. What, I wonder what game it is. <laughs> now, the obvious game that would be the culprit is Final Fantasy 15, but I don't think it's fair to only blame Final Fantasy 15. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because it's not just Final Fantasy XV that's crowding up that late 2016 time frame. No, it's also The Last Guardian. And it's also uh, Gravity Rush 2. So there's there's quite a few like major Japanese titles coming out all at the same time on the same platform that would be giving Kingdom Hearts 2.8 a run for its money. Uh, especially in this like holiday time frame so uh, i think it makes sense to push kingdom hearts 2.8 out of there especially considering uh the fact that both final fantasy 15 and the last guardian are coming out at the same uh, you know around the same time which is when you think about it insane because both of those games are massively anticipated titles that have been in development for a really 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 long time that were delayed so much that they were pushed off of the ps3 onto the ps4 and now they're finally coming out so when you put that into that perspective you don't want kingdom hearts 2.8 releasing around then because kingdom hearts 2.8 is not a full new title it is a preview title that was like uh that was like putting kingdom hearts 1.5 on the same day as grand theft auto 5 exactly let's not do that again (laughs) you know let's give it let's give it the benefit of of you know being all by itself so So since we are states yeah since we are getting some new you know information and story with 2.8 so you kind of got to give it its own little exactly exactly so uh as far as the new release dates go we've got two separate release dates first japan is getting it a little bit early uh in Japan, it's going to be releasing on January 12th. And in North America and Europe, they're simultaneously releasing uh, 2.8 uh, on January 24th. Uh, so these dates are mostly good, except for the North American and European date, which happens to release on the exact same day as Resident Evil 7. Oops. Oops. Well, I mean, it can't be helped. I mean, it's going to yeah. have to be released with something. It's got to I mean, release someday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not only that, South Park got delete too. So I think it's releasing in yeah. January too as well. So Exactly. And like it, at least in the case of Resident Evil 7, it's a different genre and it's not, it's not necessarily the same audience. But if they waited until February, then they would be in trouble because that's when Persona 5 releases in the States and in Europe. So I think they're just trying to pick the lesser of two evils. And I guess in that case, it's resident evil seven. <laughs> so, Oh, well, we'll I have mean, to I'm wait fine. a little bit longer. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Plus, not only that, you know, this is like the closest we've ever had, you know, a release with jet, with, with the Japanese title. So yeah, seriously, you know, 12 days. Uh, is not that bad. To, yeah. That's, that's really good. I think the, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, true, but I think the next closest was probably Chain of Memories on Game Boy Advance because I think Chain of Memories came out like like about a month separate. 
So in November, like I think it was November 11th was the original GBA release. And then December 7th was the North American release. I think that was the closest we've had so far. I can't think of another one that's closer yeah, between the, Japan and the West. Yeah, the one, I think the one after that would be 2.5 because 2.5 came yeah, out in yeah. October and then it was out in December. Yeah, yeah, that would have been the next closest. So, yes, uh, I, I guess hopefully, hopefully this trend gets even better for Kingdom Hearts 3. Well, when Namara said that, it's going to take some time between the two regions anyway. So I'm yeah, guessing yeah. that the release dates, is, you know, the time frame is going to probably be about this much, you know. Yeah. But about 7 to 14 days, I would say. I, won't, I wouldn't give it at least a month. I would say at least 7. I would say at least, I mean, going, going back on that, I would say at least 3 to 14 days. Yeah. But it makes you wonder, like, Okay, so it's going to take until January 24th to release it in North American Europe. Why didn't you just delay the Japanese version another, you know, another week or something? I don't know. It's it's a whole it's a Japanese title, you know. Yeah. blah 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 type of argument again. I I hope I hope they they find a reason for Kingdom Hearts 3 to release them simultaneously because I know like for a lot of people, like they they these days because because the way the internet is now they want to avoid spoilers and giving japan lead time is only going to make it problematic when it comes to spoilers so i, I kind of hope personally that at least for kingdom hearts 3 because that's going to be the i mean real i mean i mean then, then you gotta you always got to deal with leaks and people who possibly work with you know within the oh, company yeah. Pe- leaking it's, people who it, got it early yeah there's always there's always opportunity it, it's for leaks. there's that's really true. no way to counter against leaks because no because especially like you said on the internet social media yeah there, there's somebody leaking something somewhere you know regardless exactly especially these days when it comes to people working on these projects uh these days you can't make a triple a game without doing some sort of outsourcing so these games are being developed not exclusively by square enix like there's going to be other like artists that are working on the game uh we already know for a fact that there was at least one uh animation company in india working on kingdom hearts 3 and i'm assuming also 2.8 so it's like they're already outsourcing this game. So if you look at all the leaks that happened with Final Fantasy 15 and with Kingsglaive, like Kingsglaive literally leaked uh, almost an entire year early. Not not the movie, but the, the existence of the project and what the project was leaked like a year early. And the fact that it was going to release in July leaked a year early. <laughs> and, and that was because that came out of a Chinese animator that was working on Kingsglaive. So it's like... All it takes is, you know, one one person to that's outsourcing to leak something. So, yeah, that's a good point. But I still hope for a simultaneous release either way. It's always nice to have. Uh, so, anyway, the next really interesting bit of news is that in the new trailer, which, by the way, there was a new trailer for 2.8 at TGS, there was a new remix of Hikari slash Simple and Clean, and it was called... Uh, Hikari slash Simple and Clean, the Ray of Hope mix. And it is so cute. If you haven't listened to it, watch the trailer. It's super awesome. I love it. Churro, how do you feel about this new I remix? Love it. I mean, it, it to me, it brings, it, it breathes new life into the to Hikari and Simple and Clean. Because I've seen yeah. our, everybody says, you know, I'm getting tired of it, blah, blah, blah. But they're like, this is kind of mm. like rebooting itself, you know, bringing it back exactly. you know, to why we love, fell in love with these songs in the first place. And, 
and pretty much I ripped the trailer, the audio from the trailer, and I uploaded it to iTunes, and I already have it on my yeah. phone. I list, I, when I awesome. went to GameStop Expo, that was the only song I listened to, both versions, Hikari and Clean on the way up. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, that's how much I love so it. It's so awesome. And it's so full of happiness. Like, I think Ray of Hope Mix is such a great title because it's such a hopeful sounding, like a such a positive sounding, uh, such a positive sounding remix. Like even even those simple and clean already, and Hikari and simple and clean already have like a kind of an upbeat tone. Especially, well, if you listen to the Planet B remix, it's yeah. got an upbeat tone. But even like with this, it takes it even further. It's, and especially like, especially when you when you when you watch the trailer as you're listening oh, to the music, yeah. you, you see what's going on in the trailer. You know how you yeah. know, it looks. It looks kind of like no hope. But then the song yeah. is playing the title like that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like giving this, you hope there as the is player. Hope. Yeah, it kind of gives you that hope as a player that you're going to make oh, things man. right for them. Yeah, which makes me really hyped for Kingdom Hearts 3, but simultaneously t- sort of tips you off that I think 0.2 is probably not going to be a happy title. <laughs> because it's, it's not. It's I mean, from, what, from what we played at E3, you know, we'll, yeah. we already prepared for the worst. We're, we're so. in the realm of darkness. We're going through the destroyed worlds, but... I think I think maybe the moral of the story, maybe the way 0.2 ends is with some sort of ray of hope, and it sort of tips you off to kind what the ray of hope is. Kind of, kind of like uh, at the end of Birth by Sleep when Aqua yeah, talks with uh, exactly. Amson the Wise. You know, it, it, yeah. you know, it seems like all is lost, and then Amson uh, tells Aqua about Sora. You know, and then she sheds a tear. You know, and then yeah. you know she that's that's the hope that was given to her that Sora will one day save her and everyone else. So it yeah, kind of gives you so. that feeling. Yeah, it definitely hypes you up for Kingdom Hearts three because you know that's the that's the ray of hope for everyone to resolving everything that's been going on. But uh, you know, as you know, if Nomura's going to be so bold as to say this is a ray of hope, you know, you're going to have to go through a lot of really hard stuff before before you get there. So, so well, be quick question before we see. move on: Yeah, are you are you going to buy the Japanese version, or are you going to wait for the English version? Ah, uh, it's a great question. Honestly, I'm going to wait for the English version because as much as I do love the Japanese version and I actually prefer the Japanese voice actors and uh, I do need Japanese practice, at least in the case of these games, I want to understand them fully when they come out and I play them for the first time. So because of that, I'm not I'm on a no Japanese game policy when it comes to like games i actually care about so for example i have not bought persona 5 and persona 5 is out right now it actually at the time of this recording it released four days ago and i haven't touched it haven't looked at anything about persona 5 i am on complete blackout mode for persona 5 i'm waiting until uh valentine's day next year to play persona 5 because i don't want to spoil it and I'm doing the same with Final Fantasy 15. I'm going to be playing it in English. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 2.8 in English. I'm playing it all in English until I get my Japanese to a point where I can at least understand what's going on, if not understand everything verbatim. So that's, that's my a, current policy. That, that's a good response because for me, it's like I've imported every single Kingdom Hearts game. Yeah, so, exactly. Except for Kingdom Hearts 3D because, you know, region block on the 3DS. Yeah, exactly. So oh, basically... And the other- the other reason I'm not buying these Japanese games is Japanese games are expensive. Holy crap. Like Final Fantasy Could it be just is like nine, $90. It might be. It might be, honestly. But it's like games out here are expensive. Like, oh, man. 
Wait till we get to the PS4 Pro section. I'll talk about my expensive game problems. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, so moving on, uh, some other interesting things about the trailer before we talk about some of the content in the trailer is uh, there's definitely a lot of very noticeable visual improvements, a lot of visual polish, especially to the characters and especially in the footage from 0.2 that we've seen. Like... So far, Churro, how, how do you feel like compared to what we had at E3, that what we played of the demo there, how do you think uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is shaping up visually? How, how do you like the improvements to things like characters and visuals and stuff like that? How do you like it so far? I, I love it. I mean, it, like I know there are some complaints about character models between Terra and Yeah. Aqua. But like now that they're seeing and playing like the updated version of the graphics and yeah. everything, you know, the characters don't look so plasticky fake and really out of place yeah. anymore they look exactly what they are if if they were you know like in, you know like as if you press the upgrade button and it's like high definition yeah you know it's, exactly it, now they look like themselves if you know they yeah just went through exactly a huge transformation i love it i can't wait for them to polish it up even more by the game's release exactly and, exactly and, and that's the other good thing you know the fact that we did get you know it was just a month delay, but hey, you know, a month delay is a month more polish. So exactly. You know? And if you consider, you know, how long has it been since E3? You know, it's been like what three months. Three months. You know, three months. They got this far in terms of polish on the game. Imagine what they could do with an extra month. Like that. That could be like some really valuable stuff that they, you know, add to the to the quality of of the game and the movie and. And Dream Drop Distance, like, you know, only time will tell, but, like, I, I'm definitely very uh, hyped for that. Like, I can't wait to see what they do with the the time that they bought themselves. Um, so, yeah, uh, overall, the characters look really good. I would say Aqua definitely improved a ton. Um, even the, the short scenes that we saw of Riku, Kairi, and Mickey, even they improved. Um, uh, in terms of, like... So, for example, uh, I saw like this uh, like side by side comparison, like the definition on Riku's muscles on his arm have have finally been fixed. It kind of looked like Riku was like had like f- flabby arms <laughs> in the original the first time we saw him, but now he's actually got definition in his muscles, and the hair on both Riku and Kyrie have been updated with the new hair material, and it looks really good. Uh, all, all of their costumes, both Riku, Mickey, and Kairi, have been updated. They they're a lot more detailed. There's a lot more folds in the fabric, so definitely look out for that. Um, and the lighting in the scene, which we complained about a lot the when we initially saw it, has gotten a lot better. Um, before my number one complaint about that scene was it looked really blown out, like the exposure was way too high, because that scene looked weirdly bright and dim at the same time it was kind of weird and when you look at that scene that room is only lit by a couple tiny windows and then a couple of candles so that's that room should be pretty dark and now it actually looks like that it's very that room's a lot more moody you know there's a lot more atmosphere there it's a lot darker and then you can see that it's lit by you know, a very dim light source like a candle and then the light, whatever light bounces around in the room, thanks to the, uh, thanks to the windows that are in there, you know, it's as dark as it should be. So that, I can't wait to see that scene again in its entirety and see Yen Sid and how, how he's upgraded, but it seems like it, like 
it feels a lot more grounded than it was before. Before it felt like, you know, it was definitely very work in progress, but now it feels a lot more polished. So can't wait to see what they do uh, going forward. So uh, moving on. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of a lot of different scenes in the trailer. Uh, if you haven't already seen it, please please watch it. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool shots. There's some new uh, Visual Works FMVs. Oh my god, they're so beautiful. They are so beautiful. It's, oh man, it's so it's so the colors are so vibrant. Yeah. So- you know, there's you know, it's not like dark and moody like we from if you've seen like a Final Fantasy 15 trailer. Yeah, it's or, it's know, really even though, colorful. Even though like 2.8 is all you know, they're they're going through dark, you know, dark times. But yet the game still re the still the trailer still make it look like it's bright and colorful and you know exactly. And I love that it starts with Riku, Sora, and Kairi as little kids playing on the beach. Like, that shot is just so cute. It's so perfect. And especially when you consider the title of the track is Ray of Hope. Like, what's what's the Ray of Hope? Just look at the first few seconds of the trailer. They are the Ray of Hope. It's And it's not just, like, specifically because it's Riku, Sora, and Kairi, but in the case of the Kingdom Hearts series... You know, it's the light that's in the hearts of children that is the Ray of Hope. It was the Ray of Hope after the Keyblade War, and it's still the Ray of Hope. And it's kind of cool to see that visual metaphor play out there, that they're there playing up on the surface, and then it sort of goes deep down, and there's Aqua in the Realm of Darkness, sort of without hope. And, you know, she just also got to do, if she just looks up, that's the Ray of Hope. It's there. It's there. They're coming. Don't worry. Kingdom Hearts 3 is right around the corner. They just have to finish the game. So it's, you know, that that those visual workshops were really awesome. And then on top of that, we got a lot of a lot more preview of of uh, back cover. Back cover. Oh man. Back cover looks so good. Okay. Oh man. I mean, it's, so it's gonna beautiful. be an hour too, an hour of that. Yeah, and it's a full hour of that. I can't wait. And they showed this new shot that had like the two two characters that had the organization cloaks in it, and that shot was like, whoa, that just looks so amazing. Like and that, that, that just that, that just like dropped a huge bombshell, like on everybody who who thought oh, they yeah. knew about Kitamards on Jinky. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you thought it was just one? <laughs> no, there's two of them. Who are they? Who knows? You'll have to go it alone. Close the book. <laughs> it's really, really interesting story implications there. Uh, I thought the acting was pretty good. Uh, I would say on the English side, you know, as always, it's like hit and miss. Like some of the lines hit really well. Some of the lines hit kind of flat. Like, I don't know. Just just the way it goes with Kingdom Hearts voice acting, I guess. I just hope it gets better for Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> A little bit more consistent, at least. Uh, but overall, it's not. It's not bad. It's, it's pretty good. And actually, one one character, one voice actress that I want to give major props to in this trailer. Trailer. Willa Holland does an amazing job as Aqua in all the lines in this trailer. She is the one character I had no problems with, and I normally have a lot of problems with her acting of Aqua, and she did awesome in this trailer. I think, so I definitely. think it's because. With her being like, you know, I, I mean, I she's can't the say main for character. Sure. I can't say for sure that you know, Aqua was her first like voice acting role. Yeah, it's just that I think she had more time to actually dive into this character, like be yeah. this character. And now that she knows and and sees what this character has gone through, now she can be more of like before. Yeah, it was she's, like she definitely understands the character more now. Yeah, 
that's that's uh, and that's really awesome like yeah out, out of all the character voices in that trailer aquas was the best in my opinion and rightfully so she's the main character she better be pretty good because we're gonna hear a lot of her now so yeah i can't wait to hear hear more of that um i don't think this was in the trailer but th- this also sort of goes on the on the side of uh, visual improvements on characters but uh there was some shots shown i, I guess this was taken from the demo uh, that was on the on the show floor there, but uh, Tara's model was improved a lot. Oh my god! When you look at what Tara looked like back in E three, twenty sixteen, and you look at what he looks like now, it is like night and day. Like it is dark night versus very bright day. Like before, he looked like some really crappy bootleg uh, toy that you might find at like a a dollar store. Like, and now he looks like, oh, it's Tara. Where have you been all my life? Like, it's it's it's, it's like that meme where it says, "Be careful, you call ugly in middle school." <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like uh, how you look how you look like in pictures your friends take of you, and how you look in selfies. Right. That's that's basically what happens. It's 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 that it's that drastic for Terra especially. So I guess you can pretty much tell that oh that model that we saw back at E3 that was a really really placeholder model. That, that's not what they were intending to show off. So that's good. Um, so yeah, some other shots in the trailer that were cool. Uh, well, obviously the ending shot with all the dark sides sh- shooting up their energy balls into that giant energy ball. That shot was just like, whoa, what is going on here? That shot is so amazing. Like, I would just say in general, this whole trailer was very, like, it was very much a breath of fresh air because I'm so used to Final Fantasy trailers, Final that's Fantasy the, 15 trailers that's letting power, me down. That's the power of Nomura editing, editing a trailer yeah, versus Tabata. exactly. Yeah, well, I don't think Tabata edits the trailers. I think it's just the marketing team that edits the trailers. And the way they edit the trailers is like, it's kind of very generic. But the way Nomura edits the trailers, it's very cinematic and very punchy. It's got a lot of flashy stuff. Like the cuts pulls are you really in. awesome. And it pu- yeah, exactly. It pulls you in and like it really pumps you up. Whereas while Final Fantasy XV just had like a story trailer at e3 or at tgs 2016 and it was pretty long like it just felt like all right let, let's show you clips of cutscenes uh for four minutes and uh occasionally we'll throw in some gameplay um that's what it felt like to me and it was like all right let's sit and watch some cutscene spoilers for a few minutes whereas with the kingdom hearts trailer it felt like let me take you on a journey you know exactly. let me let me let me make an experience out of this out of this next like couple of minutes. Let's make this really punchy and flashy. Like the trailer in and of itself is entertainment. It's not just marketing material. That's an entertaining trailer to watch. So it's like really flashy, really punchy, really quick, fast pace. It's not just them sitting around talking at you. Like there's a lot of really cool content and a lot of gameplay, which is important because this is a video game they're trying to sell me. So right so yeah i would just say overall really awesome some other shots that they showed um in terms of 2.8 or 0.2 uh they showed off a new area for 0.2 which was uh 
basically reminiscent of the dwarf woodlands. So the snow white area, uh, they basically showed, uh, some areas that look like the mine. Uh, and they also showed off, a. a boss fight that was very reminiscent of the magic mirror boss fight from birth by sleep so it's really interesting to see how they're remixing all these elements that were from birth by sleep that are representing all these worlds that were destroyed in the main kingdom hearts timeline during the main like you know time period of kingdom hearts um you know it's interesting to see where these worlds are now during that time frame uh also, so moving on, uh, Nomura had quite a bit to say about uh, about this uh, about the trailer and the stuff they showed at TGS. Uh, first, he said that this is uh, for one, this is not the last trailer uh, for uh, for two point eight. So if you wanna, if you're already sold and you wanna avoid any spoilers, I would say now is the time to get off the hype train and close your eyes for uh, until uh, January, whatever you know, whenever you get to buy it. Um, so yeah, this is not the last trailer, and this trailer uh, was actually designed to be kind of a teaser. <laughs> so if can this I, is a teaser, what the Jumpesto trailer is going to look like. That. Exactly. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout, because I'm telling you why. Nomura is coming. It's coming with a crazy new trailer around Christmas, probably. So there's going to be that. Uh, also, uh, some new box art was shown. So the box art for uh, 2.8 was shown off. Uh, it's interesting. I've got problems with it, but I think course, it's better than 2.5. I always have problems with the new with the HD remix trailers. Look, the characters are way too small. They're arranged really weird. And the background, what is that background? That's not even a background. You didn't even draw that. You just stretched out some textures. Look, I'm just saying, can, for Kingdom Hearts 3, can we get a better, get a box, better box art, please? <laughs> Make it better. It's Kingdom Hearts 3. We've been waiting for a long time. For 2.8, whatever. Take it or leave it. It's you know, it's a it's a preview game. I don't care how you make that box art, but for Kingdom Hearts three, please make it really, really good. That's a big budget game, so please. Um, but yeah, also some interesting quotes from Nomura regarding uh, regarding their coverage. Uh, so regarding two point eight, um, Nomura had this to say. By the way, it will of course be compatible with the PS four Pro, so be excited. <laughs> Oh, Nomura. Gotta love the way he just, like, added at the end, like, so be excited, because it's coming to PS4 Pro. Oh, man, that's great. I mean, if it was, Whereas, I mean, if it, it looks good already on regular PS4, can you imagine what yeah. PS4 Pro is going to do with it? Exactly, exactly. So, definitely, uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that more in the discussion segment, but I thought it would be important to, to mention that now, because it's so hype-inducing. Uh, next, furthermore, the other game we're working on while doing this, Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming along steadily. There are new worlds in which you can run, jump, spoilers, spoilers, dot, dot, dot. I'm very excited about moving Sora around in the wider space with his higher range of maneuverability. What are you trying to do, Nomura? Why are, are you trolling? Why are you trolling, I, I, I bet you one of those is pretty much flow motion, which we, we already know. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's got something Basic- else planned with that. Exactly. Basically, the what the spoilers are, we don't know what they are exactly because obviously he listed them as spoilers. But uh, basically, uh, running, jumping, and based on his next sentence, you know, all of this is about Sora's maneuverability and how he moves through the world. And I'm really excited about that because in a lot of action RPGs, they don't, and actually in a lot of 3D games in general, 
you're we're so used to the same ways of moving through the world walking running get in a vehicle you know if you want to go faster if you're lucky maybe you can climb and if you're really lucky they might have a like a parkour system but very rarely are there is there such an emphasis on how you move through the world and i just really appreciate that kingdom hearts 3d happened because (laughs) ever since then there's been such an emphasis on how you move through the world and making the 3d space valuable it's not just the horizontal it's also the vertical you know and now we can have really vertical levels and like i can't wait to see what he does like Man, in, in past games, you know, we had running, jumping. We also had fl- gliding and flying and swimming. And, like, what what could we possibly have in this game that we didn't have already? Like, I personally think that based on, the like, the concept art from Big Hero 6 that you can expect to fly around on Baymax in, in the Big Hero 6 world. But that's, you know, that's just speculation. But I think we can expect that, but, like, what else are we going to be able to do? I I can't even imagine. I can't wait to see I guess we all the crazy stuff. Sometime in winter. Yeah, yeah. But that that is an interesting thing. So the way he words it, if you if you read into it, so there are new worlds in which you can run, jump, spoilers, and spoilers. I want to emphasize something. There are new worlds in which you can blah blah blah. So you know, if you follow me here, maybe. Maybe I'm not far off the mark when, I, when I'm saying, oh, maybe you can fly on Baymax. Because the way he words it is, there are new worlds in which you can do these things. So maybe in each of these worlds, there are specially crafted new ways of moving around the world, especially designed for the world. So maybe there's, you know, I don't know, maybe, in the, maybe there's a car's world and you could be a car and drive around as a car. I don't know, but like stuff like that. So I think, you know, if you want to sort of like guess at what these things are, think about what kind of games you're going to be playing, what kind of worlds that we're going to be in, you know, Disney wise, and think about all the different ways that the characters in the movies moved around. And maybe, maybe that's how we're going to be moving. Maybe that's what these spoilers are, is all these world specific movement abilities like maybe in star wars we'll get to fly around in an x-wing i don't know <laughs> stuff like that or uh, or like a speeder bike i don't know but those are just some ideas so anyway next quote so next year is the 15th 15th year anniversary uh and uh first there's the release of 2.8 then that same month unchained key gets uh multiplayer functionality and in march the full orchestra world tour, uh, which reservations for which have just opened today, uh, this was uh, a f- few days ago, uh, begins. And actually, there's something else being planned for around then that I can't announce yet. One way or another, I think next year will be full of chances for me to announce new information, and I will be blessed to have reached 15 memory-filled years with all of you. So... That's a lot a lot of stuff. So basically next year, because it's the 15 year anniversary, expect a lot of cool stuff. I mean, first we got the release of 2.8 in January. Then uh, Unchained Key. I don't know if, is this going to be the case in America? Is Unchained Key also getting multiplayer in yeah. January? Yeah, basically. Oh, really? Um, they're pushing us up? No, there's, we're still too, we're still slated for February 2017. 
with multiplayer. Okay. And then cool. I think uh, Japan's is going to be like October. Cool. So so yeah. So then February you get Unchained Key multiplayer. Then in March the World Tour Orchestra starts, and then apparently something else that Nomura can't talk about starts. Then, I mean, it all makes sense because when it comes to March. That's what it first released in Japan. So obviously that's when they're going to start doing some crazy stuff because that's that's when the 15 year anniversary is. And I would expect that there would also be maybe some similar stuff around September because that's when it released uh, in North America. Uh, it, it, it's you know, a positive 15 years I mean, ago. I mean, don't I mean, like, it's like when you look at it, it's like what else can they announce, you know, something big, you know, besides like uncovered being, Kingdom Hearts three that or uh you know, them partnering with Disneyland for something. Yeah, I Maybe, mean, hopefully, the sky's the limit, really. But uh, yeah, I would say in terms of next year, please be excited because it's the 15th year, 15 year anniversary. And uh, apparently Nomura knows it and he's going to take advantage of it. So hopefully you have your calendar open, Brendan, so you can travel. Oh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, let's see uh, where where I can go and attend all these events. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for sure. So moving on to our discussion segment, uh, where we're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts and the PS4 Pro. So the first thing I want to talk about real quick is talk about what the PS4 Pro is for uh, uh, the lovely listeners out there that may not have heard about it or are still confused about what it actually is. So real quick, uh, what the PS4 Pro is, it is a mid-generation console refresh of the PlayStation 4. This is not the beginning of a new console generation. Uh, This is a mid-generation refresh of the console. Now, this isn't the first time that they've done this kind of thing. You know, if you look back to the PlayStation 2 generation, there was the PS2 and then there was the PS2 Slim. And then in the PS3 generation, same thing. You first had the fat PlayStation and then we had the Slim PlayStation. But this time is different. Instead of just making the console slimmer and lighter, which they also released, uh, they're also releasing another console that does exactly that, which is called the PS4 Slim. The PS4 Pro takes a different approach. It actually upgrades the specifications of the console and allows developers to do stuff that you can't do on the normal PS4. I would say the best analog, the best example, the best comparison for this is how iPhones work the iPhone release cycle. So typically when it comes to an iPhone, you'll have the numbered release and then you'll have an S release. So for example, uh, two iPhones ago, we had the iPhone 6. And then later, then a year later, uh, Apple releases the iPhone 6S, which is basically the same exact iPhone, but with a much beefier processor and maybe a new camera and more memory or or whatever, what have you. It's basically a spec boost so that you have a faster running iPhone. You can run better games. You can do all all kinds of things that you couldn't do on the previous iPhone, but it's the same design. It's still an iPhone 6, but it's a better iPhone 6. That's basically what this is. The PS4 Pro is a better PS4. Um, As far as how much better, uh, PS4 Pro has approximately two times the performance power, specifically on the graphics, uh, the GPU side, has approximately two times the performance power on the GPU as a normal PS4 would have. And now you might be thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this like 
are we gonna expect like like these crazy upgrades to the games well not exactly because even though uh the processing power is twice as more capable uh it's the way ps4 pro is designed and the reason why this is not a new console generation is every game that runs on ps4 pro must also run on ps4 it's just that on ps4 pro all the same games that you can play on ps4 will basically look better now how by how much that depends on the developer and what they elect to add to the game but uh you know it it's still at the end of the day you still play all the same games on normal ps4 as what you play on ps4 pro it's actually a part of sony's guidelines that you can't have uh gameplay features that are exclusive to ps4 pro let alone entire games so if you can't have gameplay features you definitely can't have entire games that are exclusive to pro at least right now and beyond that there is some special sauce that has been added to ps4 pro that makes it even a little bit better than just two times the performance so Thing one is HDR, which by the way is going to be added to the base PS4, but makes more sense on PS4 Pro. And basically what HDR is, is it's a new technology, a new display technology, meaning TVs, new TVs have this. Um, And basically HDR shows a lot more uh, variation in color. So you'll have a lot more contrast. Uh, Sometimes you'll notice in like older TVs, Uh, especially like high def sets that in uh, dark scenes, like it's really hard to see the details in the scene. And sometimes, especially in dark scenes, you'll get banding where, where like you'll see like what should be a smooth gradient of a color is like a bunch of weird bands because the TV doesn't have enough color depth to represent all the different shades of gray. Basically, Sony bought a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey and, and squished it into the PS4's GPU. But that's that's kind of the way you can think of it, is that you're going to get more variation in color, but not just color, but also brightness. It's actually, this is probably my favorite part, is that in scenes where there's like really bright elements and really dark elements, they're going to look way better because the bright stuff is actually going to look really bright and the dark stuff is going to look really dark by comparison. Uh, I would say like a good example of that kind of scene is uh, the E3 demo that, or the demo that we played of 2.8, you know, that whole, uh, that whole castle of dreams area. If you notice, that's a really uh, high contrast area. There's a lot of dark elements, but there's also a lot of street lamps and uh, there's stars in the sky and the castle itself is brightly lit. That scene is going to look immaculate in HDR. Like that's that's the kind of scene HDR is built for is scenes that are very dark that have a, a very bright elements in it too. The other bit of special sauce is 4K. So if you guys know what 1080p is, that's basically normal high def resolution. 4K is basically double that. So we're talking a lot sharper images, but... The problem is to because 4K is so much bigger than 1080p, from a theoretical standpoint, the PS4 Pro would actually have to be 
uh, four times more powerful than a normal PS4 to get native 4K to work. And that is not the case. The PS4 Pro is only about two times more powerful than a normal PS4. So how are they getting these games on PS4 Pro to run at native 4K? So what's really, really interesting, and I'm really happy this exists, because I hope PC gets this too, is Sony basically built into the hardware of the GPU this crazy cool upscaler that uses this technique called checkerboard rendering, where I'll try to explain it as simply as possible because it's kind of complex even for me. But basically the way it works is, so as long as a game can hit a solid 1080p, as long as you can give it at least a solid 1080p, this checkerboard rendering part of the physical GPU will automatically upscale and figure out the rest of the pixels that are mixing to make it 4K. And the reason it's called checkerboard is you can basically think that, so imagine, so if, if 4K has approximately four times the pixels of, uh, of 1080p, basically imagine that what it's doing is it's only, the PS4 is only rendering half of the pixels of a frame and then the next frame, it's rendering only the other half of the pixels. It's kind of weird. So imagine if you're looking at a check, uh, like a chessboard. Imagine that chessboard is, uh, you know, an image that the PS4 has to render. So in one frame, the PS4 would only render the white pieces. And then in the next frame, it would only render the black tiles of the checkerboard. And basically, it would go back and forth that way each frame. What the checkerboard rendering chip is doing is filling in the tiles that the PS4 isn't rendering. So if we're on a frame that they only render render the white tiles, then what the checkerboard rendering chip is doing is trying to guess and estimate what the color is of the pixels of the tiles that aren't rendered. So in this case, it would guess black. So that's how it works. And basically it uses all previous frames because if they're going back and forth, you know what the color of the previous frame is. You know what the color of the current of the current pixels are surrounding that pixel that you're trying to guess. And it just uses all that information and guesses what the color is. And that's how it works. It's very complicated, but that's how it's doing it. It's really interesting. And basically because it's built into the chip, any game that can at least deliver 1080p gets that for free. And that's what's really interesting is any game that releases on PS4 Pro that can at least run at 1080p could run at 4K and they don't have to do anything too special. They just have to add in the checkerboard rendering support. That's super awesome. So moving on, why is this good for gamers? It's like, take a deep breath, Brendan, take a deep breath. I know. Trust me, I had to do a lot of research on that. Oh, by the way, if you're interested in checkerboard rendering and you want to see it in, in action... Uh, there is actually a game on the market right now that already uses checkerboard rendering, uh, and that's a Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege uses it, but it's not to get to 4K. It's to get to 1080p. So <laughs> it's kind of sad. They, they couldn't hit 1080p with Rainbow Six Siege. So what they're doing is they're like rendering it at half resolution and then guessing the other half of the resolution through checkered board rendering, and that's how they're able to get quote-unquote 1080p 60fps on Xbox One and PS4 with Rainbow Six Siege. So if you want to see what it looks like in person, uh, check out that game. Uh, it, it looks pretty good. So uh, so why is this good for gamers? So number one, 
most important thing is you're going to have better performing games. So right now, I'm sure you notice a lot of games on these consoles run like crap. They're constantly dropping frames. They're constantly lowering the resolution and they still look like crap, you know, and the better performing console is going to have better performance for your game. So you'll more frequently have either a solid 30 frames per second or a solid 60 frames per second, whatever whatever the developer is targeting, you'll have better performing games. And number two, which is probably more likely to be a thing with this uh, console is better looking visuals. We already talked about the increasing resolution because of things like checkered board rendering, which by the way, there's a difference. There's two different types of 4k there's native 4k and there's checkered what you can get with checkered board rendering most of these games will not be native 4k there will be what i talked about which is rendering at 1080p and then upscaling with with checkerboard rendering native 1080p or native 4k is what would have required a four times performance boost which is not likely so there will be some games that render at native 4k for example the last of us remastered is going to have a native 4k mode uh, on PS4 Pro, but uh, don't expect a lot of games on PS4 Pro to run at native 4K. Uh, basically, the main difference is native 4K is really sharp and checkerboard rendered 4K is a little bit on the soft side. I actually kind of like it because it kind of looks more cinematic that way because like real world in the real world, film is kind of soft and your eyeballs don't really render everything in perfect sharpness all the time. So it kind of looks real, but I don't know. Look at a uh, comparison that Digital Foundry did of Tomb Raider on PC in native 4K versus uh, PS4 Pro Tomb Raider if you want to see what native 4K versus checkerboard rendered 4K looks like. And you'll, you'll see what I mean. So anyway, <laughs> in terms of visuals, you can expect better quality, like special effects, maybe better characters, better textures. Uh, another thing that really benefits... Uh, is draw distance. So in like an open world game, for example, one of the things that uh, a lot of people noticed in the four, in the PS4 Pro footage of Final Fantasy 15 was that the draw distance was improved. So for example, when you're running through a field and there's grass in the field, the grass is rendered a lot further than it does on a normal PS4. So your field extends a lot further and you don't have so much pop in as you do on a normal PS4. The other real important thing is uh, obviously the resolution, but also the image quality. So image quality refers to how clean the image is. So, you know, if anyone's ever played 3D games ever since the PS2, we all know we hate jaggies on our 3D models. It sucks so much. Uh, and the number one way to fix jaggies is to increase your resolution. And the... Uh, the addition of checkered board rendering to upscale these games will really improve on the image quality. Uh, I think it was uh, Game Watch. It's like a Japanese uh, or Game Impress. I, f- I forget what they're called. It was a Japanese uh, uh, gaming website that uh, saw the P- yeah Game Watch. They saw the uh, the PS4 Pro version of Final Fantasy 15, and basically what they said was, "Oh my God, the image quality is perfect. I didn't see any jaggies in the image." And especially if you look at like any of the trailers for Final Fantasy 15, like right now, look at the hair of any of the characters. <laughs> it's pretty jaggy. It's pretty bad. So uh, I would say for for Final Fantasy 15. PS4 Pro is going to be a godsend. Even uh, even Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is not uh, is not like 
perfect image quality wise. Like if you look in uh in footage from the demos and in the trailers, there's a lot of jaggy edges. Uh so uh even Kingdom Hearts 2.8 will benefit in that area if it benefits from nothing else will be in terms of the image quality. It'll be a lot uh smoother image uh that you can expect. And even if you don't have a 4K TV and even if you don't have an HDR TV, even you will benefit from better image quality. Because if it's rendering in 4K and then it downsamples to 1080p, you're getting the benefit of all those extra pixels on your screen. So this the image will be a lot smoother than it would normally be. So, all right. So with all of that, the other, the other important thing is that at the end of the day, this is an optional thing. You don't have to buy a PS4 Pro. Your base PS4 will play everything. So... Now to the most important question. Uh, what do we think Kingdom Hearts games will benefit from with PS4 Pro? Now, I've already said image quality is one thing, but Chiro, do you have any other ideas for things that you'd like to see? Uh, you know, if if Kingdom Hearts didn't have the shackles of, of you know, the normal PS4 slash Xbox what sort of things would you like to see them improve on based on, you know, stuff you've seen in trailers, stuff you played in the demos? What sort of things would you like to see improved on for Kingdom Hearts? Does that include like stuff like loading times or is it that? Yeah, yeah. Time? Any, anything. I, I would love to see faster loading times on everything. You know? Oh, yeah. that I can definitely agree with you there. Because Kingdom Hearts, for some reason, still has quite a bit of a loading time, even in modern yeah. day loads so yeah that, for sure so and then besides the um i don't really know much about this so mm-hmm. you know for me it's just to me it, i don't really understand this so and like in the terms yeah. like you do so for me it relatively speaking like i really don't know what you know like i am not one of those people that is going to buy a ps4 f on launch day yeah so i think honestly so I that's know. probably the sentiment for most kingdom hearts gamers because Unlike some games, wink, wink, Kingdom Hearts actually looks really good right it now does. on a normal PS4. It looks fine. Uh, I think I mean, which goes like, to show that you know Nomura already knows what he's trying to get with you know normal PS4 because yeah, like, like and he, he made a good about- he made a good decision with going with Unreal Engine because clearly it's doing them justice and and they're doing really well with it and pretty much um, like like you said with fifteen you know. You know, with what GameWatch said that you know, the uh, PS4 Pro is really helping the 15 look a lot better than it is because because 15 is running on a, an engine that's not even finished. So exactly. So yeah, I would say when it comes to Kingdom Hearts, I honestly don't think it's that big of a benefit. But I do think, like, if, if I had to guess, if I had to say what, because I mean. We got to remember, Nomura said to be excited. So maybe Nomura has some ideas that we don't have. Maybe he's seen some things that we haven't seen. So if I had to guess at some things that might be different on PS4 Pro, I mean, maybe like better, like better quality, uh, maybe some better quality models, better quality textures, um, better quality visual effects. Uh, Obviously, there was stuff I talked about with like, image quality so you know if you don't like seeing jaggy edges on your models like when things are moving like 
PS4 Pro will definitely help with that because of the checkerboard rendering and it upscaling the stuff. Uh, on top of that, HDR is going to make like dark areas look really, really cool because they'll actually look really dark and things that are glowing will look really bright. And I think that's going to be really good for games like 2.8 and games like Kingdom Hearts 3 because obviously we're going to be going to the realm of darkness. So wouldn't it be cool if the realm of darkness was really dark? But, you know, with with an HDR set, if you have it, and granted, you would we would need a PS4 Pro, a copy of 2.8, and a and a HDR TV set that supports all these features. So this is asking a lot, honestly. But assuming you have all of that, those scenes that are really dark are going to look really cool uh, on PS4 Pro. And especially scenes that have a lot of dark stuff and a lot of glowy stuff at the same time is going to look amazing. So I think in the case of Kingdom Hearts, that that seems like it's going to be very likely considering the places we're going to be going in the story. I think that'll work really good. But in terms of like general stuff, like Kingdom Hearts looks great already on 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 PS4. I don't know about Xbox. <laughs> we haven't seen that yet. So maybe Xbox fans should be worried, but um, at least until the Scorpio comes out. But uh, yeah, in terms of like average, the average gamer, I honestly don't think, you know, the average Kingdom Hearts fan needs a PS4 Pro. Uh, but I will say in terms of my personal recommendation, uh, if you don't already have a PS4, I would say, and if, and if you're looking to buy a PS4, uh, I would say to buy a PS4 pro don't get the slim because the PS4 pro seems to have, uh, enough upgrades to make it valuable. I think it's a valuable thing to buy if you don't already have a ps4 but i don't like an extra hundred bucks more than it is yeah it is an extra hundred bucks so i i mean definitely consider that as well because it is you know it is more expensive but i would say personally as a gamer if you're just getting into this generation i would say the ps4 pro is worth it if you're already in this generation so you already have a ps4 and you think you might want to upgrade I don't think it's worth it in that case. Uh, the only caveat, and we'll, I would say we have to see, is if you're like a crazy person and you really want Final Fantasy 15 to look really good, I would say that would be a reason to buy a PS4 Pro because it seems like that game probably needs it. Whereas in the case of Kingdom Hearts, if, if you're just a Kingdom Hearts fan, I do not think Kingdom Hearts needs this. This is just something that's nice to have. Uh, and that, that I think that's, a pretty reasonable uh that's pretty much gonna be my thing like i'm just gonna wait till after the hype dies down and then maybe grab one after the holidays or something because like i don't really see the need of buying a ps4 pro when my ps4 works just fine and exactly exactly for me i am going to get a ps4 pro at launch but my my reasoning is as follows i specifically uh decided not to bring my ps4 to japan uh, because I felt my PC would be more valuable to me here. So as it stands, I don't have a PS4 right now. So either I can have my PS4 shipped from America and have my old PS4, and that would run me maybe, uh, I don't know, 100 or so dollars to ship it from America. And, you know, should I spend, you know, 100 $120 to 
own my old PS4 or should I just get a PS4 Pro and call it a day? I And for me personally, uh, I'm also kind of crazy and hyped for Final Fantasy 15 and I want it to look as good as possible. So uh, for, for me in that case, I, I think it's valuable. And also, it, I mean, it'll be nice to play Kingdom Hearts 2.8 in better quality, but I don't, I would say as a Kingdom Hearts fan, I don't expect much from the PS4 Pro version. So, uh, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion on PS4 Pro. If you have any other questions regarding Kingdom Hearts and PS4 Pro, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com and we'll be sure to respond to them on the next episode. Speaking of questions, moving on to our question segment, which, as I said before, if you have any questions, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. Our first question comes from Manning Franks, and he asks, uh, I was recently watching one of my favorite YouTubers, Team Four Star, do a Let's Play of Kingdom Hearts 1.5, and, like all of us, these people are huge fans of the series. However, as they progressed through the game, they became more increasingly frustrated with the game mechanics, camera, battle system, uh, and so I decided to see myself if it holds up because I thought their criticisms were unfair. My roommate and I decided to try Kingdom Hearts again ourselves and decided ourselves, and decided ourselves. But we noticed uh, while we loved the designs, the music, the story. More than once, we found ourselves getting annoyed with the same things. So I ask you, even with the remaster, do you think Kingdom Hearts has aged well? I personally am mixed on this opinion. While I feel it has an edge in the store, while I feel it has an edge in the story department to Kingdom Hearts 2, the gameplay can't seem to hold a candle to its successor. What are your thoughts on this matter? It's a loaded question. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, but you got to realize that Kingdom Hearts 2's gameplay is basically was redone from the ground up, you know, and made it yeah. more advanced than the original one. So, therefore, when you look, when you replay Kingdom Hearts 1, you know, what the engine it is, it yeah. doesn't really age well. I mean, it's, 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 it's very basic. It's like, you know, Super Mario 64, you know, it's a very basic, yeah. you know, gameplay, you know, where, you know, you can do a lot of things, but you're at the same time severely limited to what you could do. You know, I feel the same way when I play, when I play replay 1.5 and I play it on proud mode and, you know, I find myself, you know, dying a lot more than I used to, you know, due yeah. to the camera not being, you know, the being the way it is, yeah. you know, but everything else, you know, to me, it seems fine. You know, the, the artwork, the, the style and, you know, the storyline, of course, is still, you know, you know, a great yeah, story. It's still a classic. Exactly. But like, like you just like you said yourself, you know, if the gameplay has it aged well, uh, yeah, not really, not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say, especially in terms of gameplay, since since we just uh, recently wrapped up the uh, deep dive stream of one point five, I can definitely say from a personal standpoint, uh, I still greatly enjoyed the game. Like, I still enjoyed it a lot but there were definitely some points where i was like all right this is kind of uh this is not that fun or this is kind of old school i will i would say like especially in the latter half of the game like uh, the puzzles especially uh uh, i would say particularly in atlantica where i mean for one the swimming controls are kind of archaic and kind of not great 
but for two like some of the puzzles there like all the different places you have to swim to you know the whole deal with the dolphin and how how you gotta ride the dolphin and catch up to the dolphin oops you gotta fight these underwater heartless and the underwater controls are not great you know there's all these different things that are problematic and the controls and then on top of that you know the platforming it can be difficult i actually i mean if you watch our deep dive stream of 1.5 i actually really enjoyed the ba- the bad platforming because i took advantage of it and like tried to do like these different skill moves using like things like the ghetto glide where you sort of jump in the air and swing your keyblade really fast and that sort of slows your descent and sort of acts like a glide before you get glide like to me because the system is so gameable i like i like that i get entertainment out of breaking it but i can definitely see when you take it as it is the platforming obviously does suck and and like the 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 jumping is very imprecise so i can definitely get that uh but yeah i would say overall obviously the gameplay is rough this was their first stab at this kind of game and when when they went to make kingdom hearts 2 it was a lot more of a focused attempt you know, when they made Kingdom Hearts 1, they were just throwing all all sorts of different things at the at the series to see what stuck. And, you know, they threw in uh, platforming and they had like all these different like movement mechanics, kind of like Mario 64, where like, oh, you can uh, cling to walls and sort of uh, sort of like slide across a ledge really slowly. Like there was all these different ideas that they were throwing at it just to see what would be interesting so to me it feels like kingdom hearts one was very experimental whereas kingdom hearts two is like all right now that we've now that you know we've made kingdom hearts one you know hindsight's 2020 now we know what kind of game we want to make let's make that game and i think that's what kingdom hearts two was is them like okay now that we know what this game should be like now let's make it. Whereas in Kingdom Hearts 1, they did, they had no idea what that game was supposed to be like. They This was the first time they've ever made anything like that. So uh, it's definitely understandable that Kingdom Hearts 1 ended up the way it was. And the other thing is, uh, you know, we were talking about this on, previous, uh, on a previous episode, Churro, whereas, you know, when it comes to what you look for, in a game what your like num what your priorities are and we determined uh between all of us uh you me and savvy that our number one priority tends to be story so for us we can be a lot more forgiving to a game like kingdom hearts because the story is really awesome but uh because yeah, like like we're not fans of the series because of the gameplay you know yeah yeah well, that's, I mean, we like the gameplay, but that's not our number one priority. Our, our number one priority is story. And then gameplay, I mean, it probably is on that list. I mean, for me, I think it was it ranked number three, I think. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it's, it's definitely something we look for. It's definitely something we like, but that's not the number one thing we go for. The number one thing we go for is story. So for us, if the game delivers on story, and the story is good, then for us, we enjoy the game still. But for uh, more general gamers, especially gamers on YouTube, I just find they're more, mostly interested in gameplay uh, because, oh yes, because game games are games. So obviously game gameplay is uh, most important. It's in the title. It's a game. 
but like that's not necessarily the case for everyone like for me i will put up with mediocre gameplay if it means an awesome story and to me that's kind of what kingdom hearts one is it's like i put up with the gameplay because i love the story and to me because I still love the story, I think it still holds up and it has aged well, but that's because I'm coming at it from a perspective where gameplay isn't as high a priority for me. I can definitely see though, from that perspective, if I only cared about gameplay and the story was kind of like, take it or leave it, then yeah, the Kingdom Hearts 1 has not aged well at all. You know, it is very clunky. So like, I know for you, Churro, like, you listed your number one game as Birth by Sleep because of the, the whole gameplay situation. And Birth by Sleep gameplay is awesome. Like, yeah. it's it's very yeah, it, polished. It's, it's it's very polished. They finally know what they were doing. Basically, like you said, Kingdom Hearts 1 was a testing ground, you know? Yeah. And then, but I mean, I mean, if you look at it, each Kingdom Hearts game was kind of an, like an experiment on top of each other. Exactly. With, exactly. you know, like, you know, with... Uh, Chain of Memories being a card game. Kingdom Hearts yep. Two was Kingdom Hearts One evolved. Breath by Sleep was you know testing the uh, the commands, and then you know 3D was you know slow motion like movement, yeah. And so and it, it's just basically they just been experimenting, experimenting until they finally got it. Like like when we see in zero point two, you know it's gonna yep. be like we know that you know Kingdom Hearts One and Kingdom Hearts Two uh, battle system is basically the main form of what the battle system like the gameplay is going to be about mainly yeah definitely and i and i will just say like as a person who is mostly interested in story i can say even i noticed 0.2's gameplay is amazing like it is so good and even i as someone who doesn't really care that much about the the quality of the gameplay even i am like really uh impressed and feel like even that is like really making me excited. So I can't wait to see where all these experiments take the series in Kingdom Hearts 3. Because clearly they've got, you know, 0.2 is just a, uh, it's just a, just an appetizer. You know, they've got so much more in store for us in Kingdom Hearts 3. So I can't wait to see what they show off uh, in that case, I will say just as an addendum to, uh, a recent episode we did, I think it was episode 102. Uh, I don't think this was clear enough, but if you're trying to get into the series or if you're trying to review this or, or go back and re experience the series, and if at any point you feel like a certain game doesn't hold up anymore, or, you know, you don't want to spend the time to get through all the, you know, the the aches and pains of old video games, I would say don't let an old game be a stumbling block for you enjoying a particular series. If you, if for whatever reason you just can't play Kingdom Hearts One anymore, you just can't stand the gameplay anymore. Watch it. Watch it on YouTube. It's okay. You don't have to play. It. Even though I said in that last episode I listed it as a must-play title, just because. I think it's a must-play title because I like the story doesn't mean it's a must-play title for you. I would say however you want to get into the series, if you just got into the series because you saw the 2.8 trailer and you thought it was the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life, dude, just watch the series if you don't if you can't stand the gameplay of the old games and then play 2.8 when it comes out. Like so, I just wanted that to be clear because uh it seems like this is becoming more of an issue that people are trying. People are seeing how cool Kingdom Hearts three and two point eight look, and then they look at the old games, and then they like, ew, this doesn't play like 
what I just saw in the trailer. I don't want to play this. Ew. Now this ruined the series for me. Like, don't let don't let old gameplay ruin a game for you. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, if you need to watch a movie version of the game online, do it. Like, whatever it takes to get you in the series, go for it. Don't let don't let bad don't don't let bad gameplay ruin a series for you. Exactly. Yeah, especially if especially if it's an old game. Like, look, you, you got nothing to prove. So you're the only one who determines what you play. So you know, play play whatever you want. All right. So with that out of the way, uh, Churro, will you take this last one? This one from Ryan McDonald, and they say in previous Kingdom Hearts titles, characters from worlds based on live action movies have been modeled as realistically as the technology allowed for. With the possibility of Kingdom Hearts 3, including worlds from the Marvel and Star Wars universe, do you think the characters of those worlds would be modeled realistically, like before before taking advantage of uh, Unreal Engine 4, or would they choose a cartoonish art style like Disney Infinity to avoid the Uncanny Valley? So that's a really good question that I honestly hadn't thought about until, uh, or at least I don't think I had thought about until you brought it up, so thank you for asking. Uh, so yeah, as, as Ryan said, uh, in, in previous titles that had live action movies, uh, for example, Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, they had Port Royal, which was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. The way they handled it was they did the best that they absolutely could do on that platform. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the way they did it in the PS2 generation was they just took a bunch of photos that they had that they found online of the characters in question and they by hand recreated them in the ps2 games so uh it's what you see there is just pure artistry not crazy technology really um but yeah they they very intentionally did their best to replicate what they look like for real in uh in in the original uh you know ps2 games I think that's probably the the direction they'll go for, but if I had to make a decision on this, uh, what I would personally suggest is I wouldn't say to go Disney Infinity style. I don't think they need to go stylized. I don't think that would be good, uh, but I don't think they should go entirely photoreal either. What I think they should sort of shoot for is the the sort of look that modern AAA games tend to have. So if you look at, for example, Assassin's Creed, or you look at Witcher 3, are the characters in those games photoreal? No, they're not photoreal. Or if you look at Final, Final Fantasy 15, it's actually a really good example. Are the characters in Final Fantasy 15, I'm not talking about Kingsglaive, but I'm talking about the game, are the characters in the game photoreal? No, they're not photoreal. But they look damn good, like in all those games. Witcher 3, Final Fantasy 15, Assassin's Creed, they all have some really damn good looking uh, characters. And they are realistic, but they're not photoreal. They they have this sort of stylized look to them, and that's on purpose. The reason Witcher 3 characters don't look like real human beings is because CD Projekt Red was smart enough not to go full, full photoreal because of the Uncanny Valley. Uh, if you guys don't know about the Uncanny Valley, it's basically this theory that the closer you approach to photorealism in your uh, representation of a human, whether that be a video game character, a movie character, or a robot, 
If you create something that looks like a human, the closer you get to making it look human, the harder it is to pass it off as human until, and that's what is called the uncanny valley, is at some point it just gets so hard to trick the human mind that any little imperfection will trick it, trip it off and the human mind will see it and reject it and think it looks creepy. And it takes a really hard effort to make it out of that uncanny valley that you have to put in so much effort to make it actually photoreal that so far we really haven't achieved that in uh, 3D graphics. And as a result, that's why games like Witcher 3 and Final Fantasy 15 and Assassin's Creed, that's why they look the way they look. They're not exactly photoreal. Actually, another good game that's a good example, Uncharted. Uncharted 4 is one of the most beautiful games that have ever been made. They are not photoreal characters. The environments look photoreal, but the characters have proportions that are almost real. But their artists are so good that they can add some stylization to the characters and make them, while approaching realism, not photo, not photoreal. They look close. They look realistic enough. They look passable. But that's because they are slightly stylized. And that's what I think they should approach. Uh, that's the way I think they should approach realistic characters and realistic worlds is I think they should do it in a way that is realistic, but not photorealistic. It should be, uh, you know, it should ta- have a, a slight stylistic edge like Final Fantasy 15 has, like Witcher 3 has, like Uncharted 4 has, like Assassin's Creed has, you know, it's kind of a solved problem basically. <laughs> Well, for now, until we get to a point where we can actually replicate the way a human looks in-game, which currently we can't. Now, this thing that I'm still not sure about, and Shiro, I'm sorry, I, I don't think I don't think there's a good solution for this, is what do we do about Sora, Donald, and Goofy in these worlds? Because <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, there's really not much you can do. I mean, there's really they're, nothing. They're basically, they're supposed to look, I mean... Because we all know Donald and Goofy are cartoon characters, and so are exactly. trying to be like a, you know, trying to be like a Final Fantasy, you know, type character yeah. blended into a cartoon character. So basically, they look like what they look like. When you look at Pete yeah. interacting with Barbosa and his crew, yeah, exactly. Pete looks they so looked off. exactly the way they looked. Yeah, yeah, and so, it looks weird. So basically, they're going to continue making them look like that. Like when you look at uh, Kingdom Hearts 3D, when you look yep. at you know, like the Tron characters with Riku. Yeah. You know, like exactly. Riku still looks like he's out of place while everybody else looks, you know, part of that world. You know, that's, that's what makes it so important. You know how you, these characters adventure through these worlds and these worlds yeah. may not look like exactly like how they look, you know, that's why it's so, that's why I like it that they keep it that way. So it shows that, you know, these characters are outsiders, you know, they're not yeah. part of that world. True. Now, one one thing that I will say that they can do now that they couldn't do back then that is going to be different is that in previous Kingdom Hearts games, they didn't really have a lighting engine, but now they do. So in, in this day and age, they can have, at least in those worlds, more realistic lighting. I don't know if that's going to look good, but we'll see. Uh, I would say the closest we can get to approximating this is if you look at the Kingdom Hearts 2 ending and how sort Donald and Goofy and Mickey looked <laughs> there. Right. So the, the Kingdom Hearts characters look great, but the Disney characters, uh, that's, that's what they would look like with realistic lighting. So we'll have to see though. Now that I think about that, if you remember uh, the Kingdom Hearts 3d opening, 
sort of yeah. Donald, Goofy, and Mickey were in there, and they didn't look that bad. So maybe maybe it won't be so bad. I don't well, know. I we'll mean, see. Plus, plus you got to remember the 3DS graphics is almost like it's pretty much better than the PS2s anyway. So yeah, I true. think they're I think they had a lot better technology to work with for that opening than versus the PS2 yeah. ending. I mean, I mean, if you imagine them doing a whole remake of one and two, with, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, current technology, then you could then they could probably make them a lot better with them blending in that type of, you know, quote unquote realistic world. Whereas, you yeah. know, uh, Donald, Goofy and Mickey, you know, are, you know, cartoon characters that don't mesh well yeah. with that type of reality. Now that, now that you mentioned that, Churro, now it just makes me want a remake of Kingdom Hearts 1 even more. <laughs> well, we'll see how, <laughs> Which, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens with the 7 remake. <laughs> see what yeah, Nomura's well, got hey, to do. You know, going, going off of what the previous question was talking about, I mean, if Kingdom Hearts 1 is as, you know, poorly aged as they say, then maybe, maybe it's time for a remake of Kingdom Hearts 1, like an actual full remake. Maybe it's time. I don't know. We don't know. We'll see what Nomura wants to do. If I mean, if if he's confident enough to have to work on four and Kingdom Hearts four and Kingdom Hearts one remake, then yeah, go for it. If he's got nothing, he doesn't want to do anything else besides that. Then go for it. Yeah, I guess so. I'm. I honestly feel like he probably has so many things he'd rather want to do than a remake. But the only reason he's doing seven remake is because it's seven remake. <laughs> I don't know if Kingdom Hearts one could justify a remake. But oh well. So yeah, that maybe, pretty much wraps up 10 years. our yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe in another ten years, exactly. So anyway, that pretty much wraps up our question segment. In the way of music for this episode, I thought it would be only appropriate to have a cover of Hikari. So we have a Hikari jazz cover by SMES, and this one comes from Newgrounds. So if you wanna uh, support this guy uh, or a group, I'm not sure who, if it's a group or not, but uh, definitely check them or him or her out at uh, newgrounds.com they are s-m-e-s it's a jazz cover it's really awesome our next episode of kingdom hearts union is scheduled for the 4th of october and uh as always if you guys like what you hear please consider subscribing to us so you can subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store just search for kingdom hearts and we're number one yay and of course, you can catch every episode at kingdomheartsunion.com, youtube.com slash khunionvids, or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at khultimania. And if you like the show and you want to uh, consider supporting us, please support us at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. We've got a lot of awesome rewards here, like the shout outs that we do at the beginning of the episode, like Please Be Excited, the exclusive podcast only for Patreon supporters. And uh, also, uh, there's a rewards here even to get on the show uh, for your own segment. So definitely go to patreon.com slash ffkhunion and check out the rewards here there to see if there's anything on there that you'd like to uh, try for. And also consider supporting us. Oh, we also have drawings for prizes, which is also super cool. So uh, anyway, also, uh, if you guys want us to talk about what you guys want to talk about on the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com so we can make a show that suits your needs and answers your questions uh so yeah that pretty much wraps up uh, our show so i guess it's goodbye time churro goodbye guys it feels good to be back finally yes good Don't to be back up, it's good it's good to talk about uh it's <laughs> it's good to finally get to talk about news again oh yes. man it's been, then I guess it's we're been gonna so wait. long i guess we're gonna have to wait three months until john festa or psx i know you know actually that's a good thing to talk about do you think now that they moved the release date of 2.8 that they're going to move the Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion to to that that 2.8 stuff comes out. Um, Do you think? Personally, I 
don't think so because I, I think, don't Square, think Enix, so either. Square Enix needs a big, you know, event to hype up this yeah. announcement and what you know, like you know, John, and Nomura loves John Festa, so you yeah, know, he loves putting giving us new info, new things at exactly. John Festa. So that's a possibility. Nomura did make a new. There's also a PlayStation Experience. Yeah, I was maybe. gonna mention that Nomura made a surprise. Uh, ex- um, appearance at places and experience last year for the new yep. seven remake trailer which you yep. more likely show again so more likely you know these two events are definitely worth you know checking out when you know to see if anything happens if not then Namara can yeah. use january's release as the make yeah. a launch event because he was at 2.5's launch event yep so. so yeah i think i don't think they're going to move from december to announce stuff but i think they might have changed some of their plans that's my guess because i kind of feel like maybe there might be some secret stuff some like hints that happen in kingdom hearts 2.8 that they probably don't want to spoil so maybe that kind of stuff they'll leave for 2.8 to handle it on its own but i think as far as like maybe a trailer and stuff like that i think they'll still do it but they might have slightly adjusted their marketing plans as a result that's my that's my uh, even-handed guess, based on what we know about uh, what they're going to be announcing. Unless, um, or then there's a possibility of Square Enix being Square Enix, so they do announcement of an announcement. Yeah, true. It could just be like, oh, uh, here's our announcement. We'll tell you more about Kingdom Hearts 3 in January. See you then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That is, that's a good point, Cheryl. That could be, uh, that could be a possibility. All right, man. So uh, I think it's goodbye time. So please say goodbyes. Goodbye, guys. It's been fun. All righty. So I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Mm-hmm.